Well, I want to jump in and I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about, about our, next, our next iteration of our series, Naturally Supernatural. Have you ever noticed that the time you spend with folks, the more time you spend with them, the more, the more comfortable you come to be in discerning their voice, who they are, and, and, and how they speak, right? Have you ever noticed that like everybody has their own little uh, statements that they make, little jargons that they use, little, little phrases that they, like when you, when you hear it, you're like, I, I know who that is, right? When you read it or you see a text or you, you, know, you read something, I know who that is, I know who said that. We become aware of people's voice. Well, there's a, there's a, there was this great story on Twitter and, and this dad posts this. He says, uh, my, my kids figured out the password to my wife's computer and have been sending me these texts as if they were from her. I think this is hysterical, right? So uh, this, this, is, this is one of the texts that was sent. The kids deserve device time. They've been going through a tough stretch of school. They've been good at dealing with this all. Just a random thought. Love ya. <laughs> right? But it doesn't stop there. Like, they didn't just play the card once. They kept playing it. Um, I think we should let the kids do their Roblox or whatever during school. It's been a bumpy road this year, and they deserve it. Love ya. Now, I'm guessing as you read this, you're probably, I mean, as a father, I would read this and go, there is no way that my wife is sending these texts. But what I love is when the wife actually finds out, this is the actual text, like, uh, uh, who wrote this? And the response, you're scheming, you're, and I'm just going to say this as a dad, that is so spot on. Because if my kids acted up, they were always my wife's kids. Like, you're scheming kids, right? But I, I mean, the kids are crafty. They were trying to get one over, uh, maybe trying to triangulate a little bit. But the dad knew so well what his wife would sound like that he knew there's, there's no way that she's sending these text messages. We become comfortable with voice, right? We become comfortable with the way people talk, and we, we understand their wording. We know what they sound like, which is really great when we have people in front of us. But what happens when it's God we're talking about? What happens when, when we say that we need to learn how to hear from God? How does God speak to us? How do we know what God actually sounds like when God wants to speak to us? Now, we are in the second week of this series, Naturally Supernatural. And what we're doing is we're, we're really investigating, and I, I call it, we're investigating the something more to our relationship with God. Many of us get about our relationships with God. We do our, our faith journeys. And, and I always feel like there's still a level, a, a depth, an intimacy that God wants to develop with us, a, an expansion of our understanding of who God is. And that's what we're exploring. That's something more. Now, we're going to talk about the nature of the supernatural, right? But I don't want us to get fixated on the fact that this is about some sort of miracles. This is about intimacy. This is about relationship. Now, understand, here's something we have, to, we have to wrestle with here. Is that we introduced you to a concept last week. And, and if, you weren't, if you weren't able to be here last week, I want to invite you to go back to Community Online and check it out. Because it's really a setup for this, this particular series. We introduced you a concept called the plausibility structure. Now, that's, that seems like really big fancy words for this. We all have a box, right? 
And what I mean by this is that for all of us, there is what we believe to be plausible for how God is, how God acts, how God calls us to be in this world. There's like a, this is what we believe to be plausible. We all have a box that we put God in. Here's what I've come to recognize. Many of our boxes are maybe a little smaller than they need to be. Now, I, I tend to believe this is one of the blessings of being in a relationship with God because the longer I journey with God, the more I find that my box grows because God never ceases to amaze me. I, I once told one of my congregations as I was preaching, there's this beautiful moment where the disciples had seen Jesus do a whole lot of stuff. But then he says, I'm going to go to the Father. And he, we call it the ascension, he ascends right in front of their eyes. Like he is lifted up to heaven. And, and the Bible says they're just kind of standing there. And I've got this vision of them going, right? Like they had seen Jesus do a quite a bit already. But this moment leaves them dumbfounded, mouths hanging wide open. I want to live the kind of journey with Jesus that, I never cease to be amazed. I never cease to be awed. I never cease to have those moments where, where the mouth drops and I'm just kind of like, God, can you, can you do that? Like, is that, are you capable of that? But to do that, we, what, we, what we invited you to consider is there's four things we really need to consider to expand our plausibility structure. The first off is that we have to wrestle with our theology. We have to wrestle with our theology. We have to step into the scriptures. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Wade around the scriptures and ask, what are the scriptures trying to say to us about the character of God, about how God operates in this world? The, the second thing that we have to do is we have to wrestle with testimony. And by this, what I mean is, as a person in the church, I've got to be able to listen to other people's experiences of God. Because I'm, I, might have, I might have a pretty limited box based upon the experiences I've had and then encounter someone who's had a completely different experience. I'm gonna I've, I've had the opportunity to travel globally and, and, and to hear brothers and sisters of the Christian faith in the global south and the way in which they experience God and the kinds of things that God can do among, amongst them. I always come back to America and feel a little cheated. I'm like, do you know what they're do you know what they're seeing God do all around the world? Like, and it, it, their testimony expands that box. Then we have to consider tactics. And by that, what we mean is there's some actual practical things that we can do to work to expand our box through the kinds of practices we participate in. We're going to speak to that a little bit today. And then trust. Trust is a big one. Trust is this open-handed lifestyle where we find ourselves in the presence of God and we say, okay, God, I'm going to let... I'm going to let go of my fear and apprehension. I'm going to let go of, and this is really tough for me, and I, some of you may be like me, I'm going to let go of my logic. That's tough, right? Like, I want things diagrammed out. Like, God, if you're going to do this, it needs to tick all of these boxes. And God is not always interested in stroking my logic, right? Um, he wants to leave me dumbfounded more often than not. And so I have to learn how to trust. So what we're going to talk about today as we, as we navigate this particular series is, is hearing from God. Because there's an assumption here. And the assumption is that God really desires 
longs to, wants to communicate with us. Now, some of us are probably in that place where, where you're thinking, I don't even know where to begin with that. What does that even mean? And, and some of us have heard other Christians say, well, God spoke to me. And you're like, why isn't he speaking to me, right? And there's a myriad of different reasons for why that might be. Number one is, some of us are just so obsessively busy. We don't stop, pause. And, and we live in a world, just, let's just be honest, where it's so easy to stay distracted, right? Like, I mean, how many of us have said, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen to God. In fact, in fact I'm going to read my Bible. And, and you pull out your phone and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you go to a passage and you're, I'm going to read my Bible. And then you get a notification, right? And then and all of a sudden you're like, well, I got to check what that notification was about. And, and within moments, you're on Zillow looking at houses, right? And you're wondering why God didn't speak to you. Uh, for some of us, let's be honest, we have trouble hearing God because we're often so wrapped up in our shame or not feeling worthy to be spoken to. Not, not even certain what God might say to us if God were to actually speak to us. And so we've got to navigate some of those things that, that may keep us or, or delay the kinds of messages that the Lord want to really speak into our lives. Now, we have to set the stage here, okay? Because what I'm talking about, when I say, and when I say God wants to speak to you, I'll never forget a moment. I, um, I pastored a church, and, and I planted a church within a church. And the church that I planted within the church itself, uh, we ministered to people who had come off the streets, uh, people who were in addiction, and then uh, folks who, who just had had a really rough life. And uh, one of the guys that was attending the church that I planted he had started a construction company where he would only hire people who had felonies or who were coming out of addiction. That's what he would do. And so he said to me, he goes, Jeff, every time I come to church, you, you talk about God wanting to say things. He said, would you come out to our work site and talk to us about how God speaks to us? And does God really do that? Like there's this, there was this, and so I remember I was sitting, I was standing around a little fire that they had burning so they could burn their scraps uh, at the construction site with like six construction workers, and they're all like, what is this thing about God talking to us? Like, what, do, what does that even mean? And one of the things that I had to point him to is God's been doing it throughout history. Like, you, you really can't find a time in the scriptures where God's not speaking. Even in the beginning. Like, at the beginning, God speaks things into existence. Let it be, and it is. And you know what it is? It's good. But then is God creates the first two humans, Adam and Eve. Like, there's this intimate relationship. Listen to this. Uh, check this out here. As he speaks to Adam, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Um, interestingly enough, shortly after that, he actually commands them to eat, which is one of my favorite commands in all the Bible. He says, Eat of anything in this garden, except for that one tree. Just eat. I'm like, yes, that's, that's my kind of God, right? He speaks to them. He speaks to, to Abram, who becomes Abraham. The Lord said to him, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. He speaks to, to Moses. Um, and he speaks, and I love Hebrews captures this well. In the past, God spoke to ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. One of my favorite moments in the scriptures is 
Moses had this intimate relationship with God where it actually says this in scriptures. God met with Moses in the tent of meeting as though they were friends. Why don't you think about that for a moment? That's intimacy. That's Old Testament, right? I know it's so easy to look to Jesus and go, yeah, of course God's been speaking. No, no, no. Like that's Old Testament. God was up to speaking to us way back in the Old Testament. But then as you move into the New Testament, God doesn't stop speaking. God speaks to Mary through an angel. The angel went to her and said, greetings. Oh, how about that, your first words that you hear from God? You who are highly favored. Now that's a good word. (laughs) Shame often keeps us from hearing those kind of words. Insecurity often keeps us hearing from those kind of words. Most of us would have a would have a tough time believing that that's the kind of word that God would want to speak into our lives. You who are highly favored. He spoke to Joseph in a dream. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then ultimately God speaks to us in the person of Jesus. And he speaks to us over and over and over again. Hebrews 1-2 is this. says this. But in these last days he spoke to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him also he made the universe. But here's the beautiful thing. That Jesus, as much as he spoke, and you can turn to the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you're new to the Bible, those are the Jesus stories. That's where you're going to want to camp out. If you're new to the Christian faith, like camp out in those first four books for a really long time. Just fall in love with Jesus, right? And when you do so, you're going to see that he says a lot. But here's one of the things that he says that I hold on to. He says, even when I go, I'm not going to stop speaking to you. I'm going to send you one who's going to speak to you, and that's going to be the Holy Spirit. And this is beautiful. Check this out. Check out what he says. All this I have spoken while I was with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Jesus says, I've already made provision so that you're not left without direction. I've already made provision so that you're not left without encouragement. I've already made provision so that even after I've departed here, you will still hear from me. And I think we have to pause and just acknowledge, it's pretty cool that the God who hung the stars in the sky and boundaried the oceans cares enough to hang out with me and speak to me. That's pretty overwhelming. Like the intimacy of my time with the Lord, and he cares to speak into my life. Like I'm, you mean that much to him? That he would speak into your life? I think that blows me away. So then the question becomes this. Okay, so if, 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 Jeff, if God wants to speak to us, then how on earth does that happen? What are the ways in which God speaks, Right? And I think, we have to, I think we have to acknowledge that there are certain ways that God speaks. The first way of, of which is Scripture. Scripture. Now, I feel like that's loaded. You, you go to church and pastors are like, read your Bible. That is an intimidating book, folks. Can we just be honest? Can we just go ahead and acknowledge that? from the? It's like 66 different ones in one. Like 39 of them they call old and 27 of them they call new. And they're written by different people at different times about places you've never visited with names you can't pronounce, written over about a 1,400-year process, and the preacher just goes, read your Bible. Yeah, okay, where do I start? Not at Revelation, okay?
okay? <laughs> Don't start there. <laughs> Don't start there. We'll get to that later, right? But here's the deal. This is, when I became a follower of Jesus, I was 25 years old when I became a follower of Jesus, and I want to tell you, like, I knew nothing about the Bible. Someone just said to me, they said, pray for the Holy Spirit to come talk to you and then take your time and do it regularly. Those seem to make sense to me. Pray for the Holy Spirit, take your time and do it regularly. So I found myself praying for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I know nothing. I don't even know who Paul is. Go to church, everybody's like, well, Paul said, and you're like, who's Paul? I don't know anything, Lord. Make, make yourself known to me. And then I took my time. I didn't try to read it all in one chunk. I read, I read passages. I read chapters. And I paused with it. And here's the, here's the beautiful thing. When you attend to the scriptures faithfully and regularly, God has a way of doing things through that and speaking to you and saying things to you that are game changers. I remember I used to be a uh, college, college age adult pastor and um, I gathered my students, and we did this practice called Lectio Divina, which is this ancient way of reading Scripture. You pray, then you read really slowly, then you pray, then you meditate on the Scripture, then you read it really slowly again, and then you pray and meditate again, and then you share with others what you hear. And I had a room full of college students. Many of them had said, I've never heard from God. And we took our time, and all of a sudden I started asking, what did you hear? And I watched them light up. They didn't know all the background of ancient Israel and the histories that were behind it, but they heard something from God because God is that faithful. So God speaks to us through Scripture. God speaks to us through our circumstances. Now, this one can be tricky because I think we have to cultivate a level of an awareness. Like where you go, God is also with you. So when I say circumstances, we, we sometimes call them coincidences. I like them to, I personally like to call them God's providential faithfulness. God is always active at work around us, and he uses the situations and circumstances in our lives, things that might have otherwise seemed random when you weren't paying attention, to, to just at, at some level at least acknowledge, I'm here with you. I'm giving you direction. I'm, I'm a part of what you're up to, and you're not out here on your own. And there's something beautiful and brilliant in that. So God speaks to us through scripture, through circumstances. God speaks to us through other people. This has been one of the gifts of, that I've had being in the church. I've had some amazing mentors. Um, I, had this, I had this one mentor when I first became a Jesus follower. He's a 45-year-old man who he made a living by climbing electric poles, right? That was his living. But he was one of the most faithful Jesus followers. And when, when Earl spoke, Earl was this gigantor kind of guy, 6'4". I mean, he looked like Mr. Clean with bigger arms, right? Like he was that guy. And he would walk around, he was like Mr. Muscles. And, and, and when Earl would speak, like I would find myself going, I got to listen to this because there's a good chance I'm going to hear Jesus in his voice. And there was a moment where I was at a crucial junction in my journey, where I was trying to make a significant decision, and Earl shows up, and Earl steps, and he says one line, one line. He just says, Jeff, I got to share something with you. Boof. And he walks away, and I'm like, what? That was God. God spoke through him in that moment. Now, can I say this real quick? 
not everybody who speaks into your life has a word from God. So you got to test those at times. Sometimes people say, I think I got a word from God. And you hear it and go, you don't think that was right. <laughs> Had that happen many times. Um, but God does use small groups is beautiful for that. When you're in a small group here as a part of community, you're doing life with people. And you will hear God speak through their small group to you. Um, nature. A lot of folks hear God in nature. Like you go out and you're... And you're and your breath is taken away. But God uses images and metaphors from nature, the seasons, the death and resurrection. Like, like you see these things in nature that are just ways in which you see, I think, God's fingerprints all around us. Nature. But, but one of my favorites, and I think one of the most significant, is prayer. And prayer is not a haphazard act that we do just when we sit down to eat. Though do it when you sit down and eat, that's fine. Prayer is a deliberate practice of intimacy. Prayer is a deliberate practice of taking time, carving out time, and sitting with God and saying, God, I'm going to trust that not only am I speaking to you, but that you, that you long to speak to me. And prayer has got to be a deliberate practice. Like, I, if I'm just kind of tossing a prayer here and there once in a while, it's hard. If, if I only talked to my wife once every five days, once, that would not go well for me. But two, I really wouldn't understand her well, would I? I need to be daily communicating with her. It's the same thing with the kind of relationship we have, we have with God. We've got to daily communicate with God. And God uses that daily nature of communication to attune our hearts and ears to be able to hear him better and better and better as we grow in our faithfulness to our prayer life. There, we have a story that I want to share with you um, it, is, it is one of our pastors. Uh, she is the pastor of our Lincoln Square com, uh, campus. And she has a profound story of the way in which God spoke to her in a time of prayer. And this is uh, Mikhail White, if you check, check this out. In 2013, my husband and I went through a particularly difficult 12 months. During that year, we experienced losses and diagnoses that left me feeling really unimportant to the Lord. I was really struggling because I knew he could intervene to heal and save. He's big enough and powerful enough, but he chose not to, and I just didn't understand. I wound up taking some space from church and God for a few months so that I could grieve and process things. Then I remember hearing a message about the world we live in. This guy described the world in terms of Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. Friday is the day the worst thing you can possibly imagine happens. And Sunday is the day of great triumph and resurrection, but Saturday is the day after the worst thing in your life happens, when you still have to get up and go on with life and you don't know Sunday is coming. Many Christians live as if it's always Sunday in a sort of false sense of triumph. Everything has a bright side. And others live as if it's always Friday and things are just the worst. But the truth is that we live in a Saturday sort of world. Things are often really bad, deeply painful, but Sunday is coming. There's hope, but not a false hope that says things are always good right now. I felt like he named my reality in that moment. I had been struggling so much with feeling rushed through my grief, like the good Christian thing was to look on the bright side or find triumph in death. And this message helped me make sense of things. A few days later, I was at work early one morning. I was a baker and I had the whole restaurant to myself and 
In the quiet for the first time that year, I said a simple one-line prayer. Lord, Saturday is hard. Those four words carried so much heartbreak and pain. And in my heart, I heard him respond, I know. And even though it was just two words, I, I felt all of the heartbreak that a mom has when her child is in pain. And she holds him saying, I know it hurts, baby. I'm so sorry. He didn't fix the pain. He didn't wipe it away or answer why, but he was with me in it. And those two words healed so much. I love that last statement. Those two words healed so much. What I want you to hear from that is that Mikhail meant that much to God. That in the midst of a quiet, lonely bakery, in a tucked away place on this earth, she could cry out her heart and God would respond. See, when we talk about believing that God wants to speak and the ways in which God speaks, we want to move to that question, well, how then? How, how do we hear God? And the first thing that I think we have to do is we have to expect God to speak. Expectation matters. See, this is part of our plausibility structure, right? When we talk about our plausibility structure, our plausibility structure is the thing that limits us. And if we already start with the assumption that our theology, that the testimonies, tactics, and trust that we embrace already starts with the assumption that I'm not sure God is going to speak to me, we often already limit. But, but when we can lean in and expect that God might have something to say to us. A friend of mine, um, <laughs> a friend of mine once said that he caught his, I love this story, he caught his grandpa praying. His grandpa was praying in the morning. He said, I caught my grandpa praying. And after I listened to my grandpa pray, like my grandpa finished praying and then he just got up and he walked away. And I, and I stopped him and I said, Grandpa, you didn't say amen. And he said he didn't even break stride. My grandpa looked at me and goes, well, yeah, because that's the last thing I say at the end of the day. I keep the channel open all day. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like, he expected. There's an expectation. And I think, I think what I would say to you is that you are that important. You matter that much. That our expectation is that we are loved so deeply that God cares that much to want to say something to us. There's a powerful story in the Old Testament of a young boy named Samuel who, who, after failing to discern the voice of God a few times, eventually says, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. In the mornings when I get up really early to have my time with Jesus, I often, I often echo those words. Speak, Lord, for I want to hear from you. I've heard from a lot of other voices. I've heard from my bosses. <laughs> I've heard from my brokenness. I've at times heard from my bondage. I don't want to hear those voices. God, I want, I want to hear your voice. Speak into my life. But it's not just enough to expect. We also have to engage. Which means that as God speaks, we have to do something with it. We have to learn how to follow that voice into something new and next. It's still in modern day Israel, and in, the, and in the, the region surrounded Israel, you can still see Bedouins. Bedouins are, are, are people who are sort of nomads in the land that often serve as, as the shepherds of major, of major flocks, right? And so 
So these Bedouins, they'll get together and they'll bring their flock, someone else will bring theirs, and all of a sudden, all of the sheep will be mixed up. And you'll be, like, for me, someone who's like, Mr. I like things ordered, I would be freaking out. Like, who has tagged the ears? Who's keeping track? Do we have GPS on which, which sheep goes with which, right? Um, the Bedouins don't freak out at all. Because after all these sheep's mix, all the Bedouin has to do is whistle or speak, and all of their sheep just follow him. They'll follow him out of the rest. This is what Jesus is speaking about in John 10 when he says these words. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they will follow me. So when you've built that regular deliberate practice of listening, and you've expected God to speak, and you then engage and, and start to do what God is calling you to do, that's a big deal. And then the third thing that I would say to us, so you, in, you expect, you engage, and the third thing I would say is we have to evaluate. Okay, here, here is here's a little bit of a confession really quick. I have been guilty of convincing myself God has told me things that I'm pretty sure I convinced myself of, right? I'm probably the only one unholy enough to do that. But there's times where I've wanted something really bad and wanted God to say yay on it, that I will work really hard to turn some things in my head and go, yep, no, I think God's telling me to do that, right? So we have to be able to ask ourselves the question, is this really God's voice? And I think there's some ways that we can do it. One, is it biblical? Does what I'm, what I'm believing God to be telling me, does it line up with the overarching story of Scripture, right? The second thing is, boy, I probably should submit myself to a group of people that can do community with me. So like when I'm, when I'm facing those big decisions that I feel like God's speaking into me, I have a group of friends and brothers and sisters in the Lord who I can say to them, I think I'm hearing God say this. And they can, I give them permission to go, yeah, I'm not sure God would say that to you. And then the last thing that I think is really important is we have to ask what kind of fruit this bears in our lives. Is the thing that I believe God's speaking to me about going to produce the kind of fruit that is consistent with who God would want me to be in this world? Listen, if all you're ever hearing is God saying you're not good enough, you'll never measure up, that's probably not God's voice. Because God's, that does not produce the kind of fruit that is compelling to the world around us. God may say, hey, you're a work in progress and we got some work to do, but you are my beloved. And I'm with you and we're going to see this way through. And God will speak to you and draw you into that. As I close, I, I want to say this to us. Um, anybody remember life before caller ID? Anybody remember that world? Right? When you actually had to pick up the phone and go, hello, who's this? Right? So anybody remember the time where you like would make the assumption that you were so cool and so known by everyone that you would just be able to speak and they would just know who you are? And you know, you would just they, they would pick up the phone and you're like, hey man, what's going on? And they're like, who's this? And you're like, it's me. That's like the worst thing in the world. It's me. I'm sorry, who's me? And you're like, oh. I mean, it's Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, it's Jeff. It's fine. It's cool. It's fine. But then there were always those people that no matter where they were, what phone they were calling from, they could just call and you immediately knew who they were. 
here's what I believe about Scripture. That when we're called to listen to God, the more we spend time with God, the less concerned we will be with whether or not this is God's voice or not. Because when he speaks and he calls, we'll know it's him. Because we've become so familiar with that voice. My heartbeat and my prayer for each one of us today is that we would expect that God would speak. Knowing that as we engage what God says, evaluate its importance in our lives, and live it out, he will call us into something powerful, beautiful, and brilliant. So journey with us as we learn to listen to the voice of God. Let us pray. Father, um, to know that you speak, to know that you care to speak, to know that you have a word for us, to know that we matter that much to you, that you would want to speak into our lives. Lord, help us to believe that, embrace that, and live that out every single day, trusting that you want to lead us well. And so gracious Father, we trust you and we say thank you for that voice that meets us in the midst of the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the brokenness and the triumphs of life. Even if it's two words, those two words can bring such great healing. In Jesus' name, amen.